I was angry. I was angry that even after everything I'd done, and even agreeing that we didn't like each other anymore, he just would not let me go. This was absolute insanity. I felt forced to comply, to settle. Staying together didn't make any sense, but something about throwing in the towel also didn't feel right. Hi, this is Gina Carruthers with Following Titus 2. Thank you for joining me for devotion today. At the beginning of this year, I sat down and planned the devotions that we would have for the first quarter, the themes, the thoughts, and um, the people that I would invite to speak. During my prayer time and my devotion of seeking this content, I felt the Lord leading me not just to talk about different topics of love, but things that were sensitive to us about love. The first week of the month, I talked about new love, which included finding that new love and experiencing our life with that new love and relating it to our relationship with Christ. Last week, I spoke about attaining and sustaining pure and lasting love. And this week, we will talk about forgiveness. It's probably the biggest, largest, greatest, most difficult component of the love relationship. And what greater example were we given of forgiveness than our Savior, Jesus Christ? I am so thankful for the forgiveness that God has given and granted to us. It's like Lisa Turkhurst said in one of her books, I give forgiveness because I so desperately need forgiveness. Our guest speaker today is Annalisa Franco. I've known Annalisa for many years. She came to Calvary when she and her uh, husband Oscar were, seemed like just young kids, and they've grown up with us. We love them very, very much, and it's been such a rewarding experience to see God grow in their life and see them weather some of the storms of life. So many times as Christians, we would like to cover up the storms of our life and pretend like they never happened. And while there is a need for people to find repentance and restoration, there also comes a time when you can share your story. So when others who are going through something similar can get a glimpse of hope, and maybe even be saved from a very difficult situation. When I asked Annalisa if she would write a devotion and share a podcast about love and forgiveness, I gave her the option to say no, knowing that this would touch her heart very, very deeply. In no way did I want to twist her arm and I didn't want this not to be the right time. But in my spirit, I felt she was ready. And she very graciously prayed about, it, prayed about it and agreed to share her very tender, heart-wrenching story of what she's gone through in her life. Today, I ask you for your love and admiration for a sister that can open 
her heart to you and share her painful journey of forgiveness. Let me tell you a little bit about Annalisa. Annalisa is an enthusiastic coffee bibber who believes time is best spent making new friends and creating memories over shared meals. Annalisa currently works full-time as a business operations manager for a tech giant, Oracle Corporation, and oversees indirect sales support for Latin America. For the last two years, she was recognized as Oracle's top talent, a designated award to an elite category of employees who exhibit high performance and potential, less than 8% of the population. Her volunteer roles include Community Outreach Coordinator for Oracle Women's Leadership and Ambassador for Oracle Diversity and Inclusion. Annalisa holds a Master of Arts in Administration Communication Arts from the University of the Incarnate Word and plans to continue her education at the doctorate level. Also a fluent Portuguese and Spanish speaker, Annalisa has a heart for multicultural missions and bivocational ministry. Newly empty nesters, Annalisa resides with her husband of 15 years, Oscar, along the San Antonio Riverwalk. They enjoy coffee shop hopping with their two adult daughters, Caitlin and Amber. The Francos are longtime members of Calvary Church of San Antonio, Texas, and have faithfully served in various ministries over the years. When she's not at Calvary, you can spot Annalisa cycling through downtown San Antonio or at a local farmer's market shopping with her husband with their two miniature Dotsons, Chloe and Melita. I hope you would join me today and welcome Annalisa Franco. God bless you, Annalisa. Thanks. I've yet to meet a woman who detests romantic love stories, whether they're drawn to the excitement of the pursuit and conquest, or the pain of unrequited love, or the untimely tragedy of star-crossed lovers. The women I know are drawn to at least one romantic trope. I'll admit I'm drawn to love stories with flawed protagonists, strained relationships, and a less than glamorous path to a happily ever after. I think it's because I'm an analyst by nature and fascinated by social psychology that complex love stories really resonate with me. I can tell you, however, I would have never thought I'd find myself in the middle of my very own love story. A complex, unfailing, love kind of story. You're the classic fairy tale love story kind of gal. This devotional may not be for you. In fact, I'm quite certain it's not. As I prayerfully considered how to approach this topic, I felt compelled to remain quite candid and transparent, not for shock value, but if only to reach and connect with the friend that I've yet to meet. Several years ago, I had an affair. I went back on my marriage vows and betrayed my husband. Even now, as I write these words, my chest tightens, my throat closes, and my body teeters between fight or flight instinct. I'll spare the internet the intimate backstory as there's no need to immortalize the sordid details of the relationship. In fact, I never thought my writing and podcast debut would deal with the topic of infidelity. As a young child, I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal savior. 
by which I mean I followed Acts 2 and 38. I repented of my six-year-old sins and was filled with the Holy Spirit. I know this because I spoke in a language I didn't know. Later, I was baptized by immersion, specifically invoking the name of Jesus. I always knew God had something special planned for my life and that I would grow up to serve Christ first, then others through ministry. God allowed me to experience life overseas as a child and teenager. I grew up in missionary churches in Panama and Brazil and dedicated my life to sharing the message of Jesus. I served in whatever capacity was needed. I ministered in music, evangelized, which is old school door knocking and open air evangelism on the corners of third world streets. I taught Bible studies, received visions, prophesied, preached, really anything you can think of before I became an adult. Later, married with a family of four, we continued serving God and others in the San Antonio, Texas metro area. At the height of our formal ministry track, my husband and I were young adult pastors at our local congregation. That's right, this young adult pastor and Spanish worship leader committed what most people would consider the worst trespass against the sanctity of marriage. Yes, my friend, this is a true story. I don't think anyone ever wakes up in the morning, stares themselves in the mirror, and decides they're going to pursue an emotional and or sexual relationship outside of the bounds of marriage. Instead, a culmination of lack of communication, tallying resentments, and laundry list of unmet needs, and overall disenchantment with married or single life are far more likely motivators. Add an ample opportunity and a sequence of poor decisions and you have a warm petri dish of self-righteous betrayal. Don't be fooled. Infidelity is gender neutral. A quick Google search brings up all kinds of resources for women struggling in the aftermath of an affair. What it doesn't bring up are resources for women struggling in the aftermath of their own affair as the wrongdoer. I know my actions were wrong, sinful, deplorable. I hated that I allowed things to go so far. I was past the point of no return. I felt that I loved my husband. I just didn't like him anymore. We'd quote unquote done life together, as is the cliche, and that kind of history doesn't go away. The thought of reconciliation felt like signing up for voluntary imprisonment. I wasn't happy in our marriage and I just couldn't see how I could ever be happy. It didn't seem fair that I had to remain in an unfulfilling marriage just because it was the right thing to do. How was that even fair to him? How was that fair to our then teenage daughters? How could this be the will of God? No, there was no need to prolong the misery. My husband would not grant me the divorce. Even after I embarrassed our family, shamed our family's name, he would not sign the divorce papers. He cited scriptures, he recalled our vows. He absolutely drove me nuts. I was angry. I was angry that even after everything I'd done and even agreeing that we didn't like each other anymore, he just would not let me go. This was absolute insanity. I felt forced to comply, to settle. Staying together didn't make any sense but something about throwing in the towel also didn't feel right. Against my analytical nature, 
I made the decision to reconcile. I had very little desire to be married, but knew that if I didn't at least give it my 100% effort, I would regret it. Yes, just like that, I decided. I ended the affair, quit my job, changed my contact information, and set out on this new journey of figuring out how to piece together my marriage. There was no miraculous healing of the hurt, no instant reunification of my family, and no relief from the shame I felt every time I walked through the doors of my church home with my red letter A a la Hester Prynne. No one shamed me though, which I'm absolutely grateful for, but I know that's not the case in every congregation, unfortunately. American Christianity really does a disservice when it fails to provide real, tangible resources to equip people to deal with the aftermath. It hides behind church idioms, downplays the labor involved in reconciliation, and promotes the idea that life is all happiness, bubbles, and minivans. I promise you, if I had read one more, God can restore your marriage, or heard just one more, oh, just give it to the Lord, I was ready to gouge my eyes out and punch someone in the face. I kid you not. I'm sorry, no churchism could fix my issues, and the last badge of marital success I wanted was a minivan. All I wanted was to wallow in the misery of my own self-hatred and shame. Every cell in my body screamed, leave me alone. The fall was too much to handle, and I only had myself to blame for the choices I'd made. I parked my rear on the first row in church services, longing to feel the familiar presence and anointing of God, and felt nothing. I pondered giving up in every sense, giving up on my marriage, giving up trying to be a Christian, giving up my health by binge eating and hair pulling, and even contemplating taking my own life. If I could hurt myself more than the pain of disappointing everyone that mattered, I could protect myself from being hurt by others. After all, no one knew how to really hurt Annalisa better than Annalisa. Somehow, my brain responded to the self-harm and enjoyed it. God couldn't possibly want me after all of this. Forget ministry, that was the last thing on my mind. How could my husband and kids love me? Why would God love me? I bundled myself in a warm blanket of shame, but couldn't quite get comfortable. I knew my thoughts were wrong. I knew God still had those plans he whispered in my ears at 11 years old. I knew he wasn't going to let me go. I read Isaiah 54 verse 10. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. Could that really be true? Of course it was true. You see, I couldn't comprehend God's unfailing love without understanding what it is to fail. Maybe you're in the thick of the aftermath of an affair or bound by some other sexual addiction. Let me be the first to tell you, he will not let you go. He'll give you all the space you need. But the truth is, we can allow our minds to control our reality if left unchecked. I'm a failure, 
I don't belong. I knew better. I made my bed. Now I need to lie in it. All these statements play and repeat in our minds over and over until we start to believe them. I don't deserve to be loved. We self-sabotage due to our own feelings of unworthiness. We prefer the comfort of depression because it allows us to hide in broad daylight. It's an age-old story. Adam told God in Genesis 3.10, I hid myself because I was naked. We hide ourselves after our sin is exposed. The evil one weaponizes our negative cognitions to wound and paralyze us in a cycle of self-harm. This is not the will of God. My friend, mi amiga, there's no low that surpasses the reach of God. Corey Ten Boom said, there's no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. It's when we falter in our faithfulness to the one who has our hearts that we can comprehend the unfailing love of God. Christ relentlessly extends his unfailing love in spite of ourselves. So can we skip to the good part? Yes. Not because I'm unwilling to share my story, but because I want to encourage you with where I am now. Because I was obedient to the word of God and decided to honor my marriage, God walked beside me daily. Sometimes he stayed silent. Sometimes he carried me. Some days he left me a proverbial red rose at the foot of my bed. Me and my husband grew to like each other. We hit up just about every coffee shop in town, reconnecting, dating each other all over again. We prayed together, grieved together, got annoyed with each other, laughed at each other, and cried together. Guided by our therapist, and of course the grace of God, we tore down the remnants of the old marriage and built a new one with respect toward each other. Our needs would be met. Resentments would be released. Our dreams would be aligned and we would face life together, he and I, and only he and I. Today, my husband and I are newly empty nesters. We start our days over coffee and kisses. God blessed me with a fast growing career in the tech industry. He guided our financial decisions and granted our dream of building our own home. Today, we minister with no desire for titles. We love God and we want to see his message of salvation reach across the globe. I cannot imagine any man more perfect for me. And it's scary to think I almost missed out on this amazing love story, complex as it may have been. If my story resonates with you, know you're not alone and others have walked this path before, regardless of church society prefers to keep it hush-hush. Maybe you've not struggled with this kind of fall and I'm so very thankful you haven't. I wouldn't wish my journey on my worst enemy. No matter your struggle, know God's word is true. It's also true that some reconciliation journeys require professional help, be it medical treatment with antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications, or intense therapy with a licensed professional counselor. Don't be afraid. You are not alone. This week, I encourage you to pray the word of God specifically Isaiah 50, verse 7. 
Because the Sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like flint, and I know I will not be put to shame. There is no condemnation, no shame that can stand in the face of our Almighty God. As you pray this week, consider the following statements. Help me to forgive others when I am wronged. Help me to forgive myself when I have sinned. Help me to believe I've been forgiven. When I feel unworthy of your love, remind me of your unfailing love. May your covenant of peace reign true over my life, O Lord. Help me to be sensitive to others who may be going through the aftermath of an affair. Place someone in my heart to share this story with. Again, though the mountains may be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. Yes, my friend. Sí, amiga. This is true. Eso sí es verdad. Thank you for listening today. I pray God's blessings and encouragement over your life. And I'm so excited to see what God is doing, not only in my life, but also the possibility of hearing what he's doing in your life. I encourage you to get in touch with us here at Following Titus 2, along with sharing the resources. I pray that you're blessed today and every day. Love you. Thank you for joining us for our Following Titus 2 devotion this week. Thank you, Annalisa, from the bottom of my heart for sharing your story. And our prayer for our listeners together today would be that you are somehow touched, somehow blessed, and somehow encouraged by Annalisa sharing her story. I don't know where you find yourself. Perhaps you're in a difficult situation right now. Perhaps you know a friend who is walking in a difficult situation right now. I pray that God's love and unfailing mercy will cover you and give you strength to find forgiving love with the ability to use that key word Annalisa used, decision, and the same forgiving love that he gives each of us. I would like to remind us at a close today that there are no big sins and no little sins with God. What Annalisa has shared with us is no different from lying to your neighbor or talking ugly about somebody. And yet somehow it cuts deep to our soul. Be the sister, be the friend that God wants you to be together. Let's be better women. Let's be godly women. Are we perfect? No. But together, we will hold each other up. We will encourage each other on this journey. And when we fail, we will forgive and encourage each other along the way. If you were blessed today by the devotion that Annalisa shared, I would ask that you would share it with a friend and 
press the like button. As difficult as the subject may be, it will bless others. Thank you. And until next week, God bless you and subscribe to the podcast at Following Titus 2.